You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Combate Cast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Alikas to break down this Friday's Combate 48 event, which takes place in Garland, Texas. Nick creates the opening betting odds for Combate events, so he'll break down the seven fights with betting odds on this card, providing extensive analysis and a pick for those fights after doing film study and research for the event. Combate 48 will air on the TV networks Univision and TUDN in Mexico with live streaming of the undercard on Facebook Watch this Friday night. Let's dive right in. Now, uh, kicking things off early on, the preliminary card is a bantamweight contest between Aldair Romero, who is 0-1, and Melvin Lopez, who is making his professional debut. Now, Nick... Where did you open this fight, and how has the public shifted things so far? I opened Lopez minus 475, the comeback on Ramiro at plus 325. And right now, looking over at the Don Best screen, we see a lot of sports books having odds up right now. And the market price seems to be about minus 550, 530. So about minus 530 for Lopez, the comeback plus 390 on Ramiro. So I opened the line extremely high at minus 475, almost five to one. It got bet over five to one. A lot of people are coming in, putting Lopez in parlays as well. It wasn't quite enough. And so obviously if people are doing their homework, they realize what kind of matchup this is. Hey, I like Ramiro. There's no disrespect in the line. Of course, I think Ramiro comes from a very good camp. He's a young man. He's only 25 years old. So he's got a lot of upside to him. He's very Raw still, though, he's a developing fighter. But I do like the camp that he's from in Peru. He trains with um, the Pitbull Training Center, which, of course, has produced UFC fighters as well. So this guy, there's no doubt in my mind, is going to get good. And he does have some skill. He's going to have some length in this division. He does like to stand up a little bit. He's got a little bit of a ground game. But again, I think the developmental part of his game, I mean, he's 0-1 as a pro right now. Um, and I think realistically he has a long way to go to kind of shore up some of those holes that he has and, and Lopez is kind of a nightmare matchup despite Romero going to have a huge height and reach advantage over Lopez Lopez is kind of his kryptonite because if you look back Romero's got problems and issues at times with takedown defense and Lopez that's exactly what you get with him he's a short stocky powerful fighter um, he's explosive I mean I believe he's only five foot tall so again he, I mean he's on the short end of the weight class at 125 pounds so he's going to be just one of these guys just a small compact guy that um, has really good wrestling though so that's what his bread and butter is and that's what he's going to come to do here he's going to look to take this fight to the floor his striking's not bad he, he does have some decent boxing but it's one of those situations where he does try to close a gap get the fight to the ground as quickly as possible, and he has success doing so. So, for me, the success rate, and I've been really impressed with Lopez getting the takedowns and Romero having kind of, you know, problems with wrestlers taking him down in the past. I think that's exactly his path to victory. That's why everybody's betting this fight towards Lopez as well, and including the parlays. They're going to be surprised if Lopez is not able to get this fight to the ground and not wrestle Romero. That's his path to victory. It's clear. Everybody knows about it. So Romero's going to have to finish this fight off his back probably to get the win here. I think there's a potential that happens as the fight progresses a little bit because Lopez does tend to slow down. Uh, and if Romero can start stuffing some of those takedowns as the fight progresses a little bit, he is going to have that reach 
advantage and he could start landing on Lopez as well. I've, I've noticed, you know, his defense will start to kind of hinder him a little bit as the fight goes. So with everything being said, I mean, it's hard not to pick Lopez in this fight. The wrestler's probably going to, probably going to get the fight to the floor and dominate on the ground and probably get the win here as well. So I'm with you guys. I don't, I wouldn't bet it personally at five to one or even put it at a parlay right now. I think the line is okay where it's at. So just kind of leave it alone. But the pick for me is Melvin Lopez to get the W here. Now moving up to the welterweight division, we have Nick Gay, who is seven and four, taking on Victor Reyna, who is ten and four. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Man, there's a lot to like about this fight. I opened Reyna minus 300, the comeback on Gay at plus 220. And right now what we're seeing over at the Don Best screen is Reyna minus 320, the comeback plus 260 on Gay. So line margins have tightened up a little bit um, and slightly more action coming in on Reyna. But there is two-way action coming in this fight for sure because Gay's an intriguing prospect. I mean, he, again, he's only 24 years old. He's going to be the younger fighter, I believe, by nine years over Reyna. So that's one edge he definitely has going for him. So fight by fight, there's going to be, I think, bigger and, and better improvements from Gay um, coming into this fight. But that said, he still has a long way to go. And I think this is a terrible matchup stylistically for him here. And this is why, I mean, getting into Gay a little bit deeper, he's a very long striker. Um, he does love to throw a lot of kicks. I mean, his hands are okay, but it's not nearly as comfortable on the feet for him throwing his hands compared to his kick. So it's, it's one of these guys that's long. He's going to have a huge reach advantage, but it's him kind of moving on his bicycle a little bit, throwing those kicks. He does have a good front leg. Um, he does have some effective kicks. They're pretty accurate as well. So you got to be cautious with Gay. But again, that uncomfort with his boxing is what's probably going to get him in trouble here in this spot. Um, and he does kind of get a little wild at times. And I, I think you know, potentially that could present a lot of problems for him, obviously, with a slicker, a more, um, I think, the technical, a more savvy, veteran, experienced fighter in Reyna. I mean, Reyna, for those of you guys that don't remember, he actually lost by decision on the Dana White Contender Series to Beza, a guy who just went out there and destroyed Aldana in the UFC, made his UFC debut, um, and just came out there and, and lit Aldana up. So, I mean, there's a lot to like about Beza. Um, obviously, I think that that wasn't a bad loss for Reyna. He showed a lot of good. He showed us how tough he was in that fight as well. He had his moments for sure. But getting into this fight here for Reyna as well. So, obviously, he has some really good, solid experience. He has a better resume, a better background overall. And I think he's just a better overall fighter, too. He's an athlete. Um, he's a former power lifter, football player. He's got that kind of athleticism in his background as well. But, of course, for Reyna, he's a very good striker. He's accurate, has that killer instinct. I mean, I like what I see from Reyna as well. He's got good wrestling for the most part. Um, he uses it when he needs to as well, and he can and will, you know, utilize that ground and pound once he gets a fight to the floor. And I think Gay's one of these guys with that longer kind of frame that Reyna might get him to the floor so he doesn't have to deal with some of those kicks as well. So I think it's just Reyna's fight to win or lose. He can win in the boxing exchanges on the feet. I think Reyna's a better ground fighter as well, and he's just a level ahead. So despite it not being exactly an easy fight with the attributes that Gay brings into this fight, I just don't think Gay's ready for it, and I think Reyna is the side here. And again, I don't blame you guys for kind of throwing him in parlays as well. I would be surprised if he loses this fight. So my pick is Reyna. As far as a straight bet, it is a little bit difficult to make on Reyna, but again, he might be still parlay material as long as the line doesn't get carried away from here. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Kyle Driscoll, who is 10 and 3, taking on Ray Trujillo, who is 24 and 26. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? I opened Driscoll minus 275, the comeback on Trujillo at plus 205. And right now, looking at the market price on the Dombest screen, we are seeing. Uh, Driscoll at minus 390, the comeback 
plus 305 on Trujillo. So no respect coming in on the underdog Trujillo, all the action going in Driscoll's way. Not really that surprised. I mean, Driscoll is definitely the upside here, the better prospect. He's going to be the younger fighter as well. Um, he's 26 years old, 26 years old, where Trujillo is 37 years old as well. Um, a lot to like about Driscoll, man. I mean, really looking into some of the footage. The guy has a wrestling background, but he likes to strike, and it's fun watching him strike as well because, I mean, he's, he definitely has some solid technique on the feet with his hands, but he mixes in uh, kicks often and well. I mean, it's it's pretty neat to watch him strike. So he, he throws in everything. He's got some speed. He's got some power to go along with it. He likes to push forward. So there's a lot to like about him. He's currently on a five-fight win streak, and he finished, I believe, three of those five along the way as well. Um, and he's faced fairly decent competition, especially compared – well, I mean, here's the thing. Not especially. Actually, I should say opposite of that. Uh, compared to Trujillo, though, that's a whole other story. And that's why I like Trujillo's chances a little bit probably more than the current line indicates, obviously, and the, the overall action coming in at this point as well. Because I do think there's a lot to like about Driscoll, and it's his fight to win or lose as well. But Trujillo on the other side of it, man, I mean, he's a very solid, experienced veteran. I mean, he's really fought the who's who. If you look at his resume, he's obviously he's fought on Access TV on LFA quite a few times. But the, the guys that he's fought on his resume, again, I mean, he's hung in there, and his losses have been to nothing but studs for the most part. I mean, he's on a, a six-fight losing streak. Um, coming into this, I realize it, but the are all studs. If you look at a little bit closer and look at who those losses are to, and some of them are really close competitive decisions. And what you get in Trujillo is not anything easy, especially on the feet. I mean, the guy has a lot of power. He comes forward. He's got good accuracy, so he can knock you out of the feet. You cannot take him lightly. And the cool thing about Trujillo is also he's a, a, a very good wrestler. He's strong. He likes to take the fight to the ground as well, and he usually has success doing so. So that's what I mean. I mean, he, these veterans that, that struggle against Trujillo, even though he's a, basically a 500 fighter throughout his career, if you're looking at him on paper, he's above and beyond that. He's way better than a 500 type of fighter. So this is a real test for Driscoll, and I'm loving it that Combate matches these fights up. I mean, they're not giving some of these rising prospects a break here. They're giving them real tests, and they're putting them in the fire against solid competition, and this is exactly what Driscoll's getting here, is a very savvy vet, Trujillo, that's capable of pulling off the upset, but I don't think he gets it done here. I do like Driscoll at the betting price right now. Obviously, I'm not going to agree with it. I think 3-1 to is a lot more fair than almost 4-1, to as it's trending in that direction here, so you guys got to be careful. I mean, I think Driscoll does get it done. He, he might even finish Trujillo. Um, I think he's capable of doing so on the feed, or even on the ground, honestly, as well, because Trujillo does have a tendency to slow down, and Driscoll, I think, will start taking over the fight, and again, has potential to finish it. So I agree with you guys. I think Driscoll gets it done, but if you're laying almost 4-1 to one against a savvy vet like Trujillo, that's always a risk, and it's not really worth it at this point. So for me, I would stay away from it as the line progresses. If it drops, I mean, crazy for some reason, I mean, and obviously Driscoll will open up some value, will open back up as well. Maybe you guys could throw him in a parlay or something like that, but where it is right now, it's really a dog or pass situation, but I do like Driscoll to win. Now, moving up to a 163-pound catchweight fight, we have Ariel Juarez, who is 3-3, three and three, taking on Angel Luis Cruz, who is 5-4. and four. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? This is another crazy fight. I mean, you got two experienced fighters again, kind of not obviously not experienced as the guys that we were just talking about as well, but getting right into the fight. I mean, I opened Juarez minus 170, the comeback on Cruz at plus 140. And what we're seeing right now on the Dom Best screen is Juarez at minus 170, the comeback plus 145. Line margins have tightened up a little bit, and there is two-way action coming in this fight. Not a lot of confidence out here either as well. I mean, you can make a case realistically for either guy in this spot here. I mean, I think the more intriguing side, honestly, might be the dog, but I mean, more you 
dig into the fight, I, I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't like about Cruz coming into this fight as well. I think this fight definitely is going to deliver with excitement. Um, and we're going to see some wild, wild moments, I think, in this fight as well. I guess I'll get into the dog since I'm kind of talking about him to start off uh, things here for this fight. I mean, again, Cruz is a very interesting fighter, I should say. I mean, I think he's, um, unorthodox to say the least on the feet. Um, he's does have a little bit of well-rounded skill, but he's more of a, like a karate point fighting stylist when it comes to standing up a little bit, he switches stances, he throws lead leg kicks, um, side kicks, you know, so he utilizes that karate type of point fighting skill. And he does like to close a gap with his side kicks and then get inside and, and look to trip you to the ground as well. So he's another one of these guys that I think at times his boxing and his hands don't look really that comfortable. So he needs to kind of utilize that weird unorthodox style to get himself comfortable and to try to get this fight maybe to the floor when he's comfortable and in the clinch to get some of those trip takedowns. Um, Cause he's a bit stiff looking to be honest with you at times on the feet. So, and also when he shoots in a little bit as well, I think I don't like the way he kind of goes about some of those takedowns. He puts himself in defensive positions that you don't want to see him be in as well. So, I mean, those are the risks that you're getting with Cruz. I mean, he's been submitted three times. I mean, that's kind of a glaring, part on his resume that you got to be cautious about as well and he's fighting Juarez who can actually finish the fight I mean all of his submissions as a pro have come or I mean all his wins have come by submission I should say so I mean there's obviously a very clear path to victory for Juarez and getting into him a little bit more though to be a little bit more clear with what you're getting in Juarez he definitely has skill in all areas Um, his offense is very good he should have the pure striking edge in this matchup as well so I just mentioned that he should be able to possibly utilize the submission um, and win the submission um, game in this this spot here as well but defensively there is concern if you're going to play with fire with Juarez because defensively he has been submitted three times as well and he does have a lack in submission defense and Cruz offensively has an act of maybe catch a limb and you know submit people as well so that spot could realistically play out either way on the ground but I think Juarez potentially has a bigger advantage on the feet because I think his boxing is a lot better. It's more crisp. It's a lot more accurate and it can be a lot more effective as well. So I think the pure stand-up edge also goes to Juarez again, minus the kicking game of that part as well. Now, amateur wise, he's got a much better resume overall. Um, I think he's really been one of those guys that's kind of been underrated taking some decent fights and kind of working his way up the ladder. So his pro resume, again, doesn't look all that great as a 500 fighter, but there's a lot to like about Juarez. He trains at a good camp. He trains with like Derek Krantz and crew, Kevin Aguilar, and then Vickers, um, who we're going to be talking about here in a moment as well from this same card. So Juarez training with solid opponents or, tra- or solid training partners, I should say. Um, and I think he does have all the advantages in this fight over Cruz a little bit. Now Cruz is a wild man and I'm expecting this fight to be fireworks. So, so there's not a lot of confidence. And again, there's the betters out there kind of struggling with this fight as well. That's why you're not seeing this line shift drastically one way or the other. But my pick is going to be Juarez. I think he's just a little bit cleaner, a little bit ahead of uh, Cruz at this point in their careers. And I think he's just the better fighter. So my pick is going to be Juarez to win. Now, dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Hector Fajardo, who is 2-0, taking on Aaron Vickers, who is 3-2. Now, Nick. Where did you open this fight, and how has the public shifted things so far? 
Another awesome scrap put together by Kamata here. I opened Fajardo minus 210, the comeback on Vickers at plus 165. And right now, what we're seeing on the non-best screen, the market price out there across the sportsbook world is currently minus 170 for Fajardo, the comeback on Vickers at plus 145. So line margins have tightened. More action coming on the dog Vickers here. I mean, this is definitely another good fight, like I said, at, at the bantamweight. I mean, both these guys are going to bring it. Vickers is one of these guys that's really improving. He's another one of these guys that had an extensive amateur background. He's 8-5 and five as an amateur. He's done some really good things as of late. He trains with a good camp. I was just mentioning Juarez in the last fight. Vickers also trains with that same crew. So he trains with Juarez. He trains with D-Rock Krantz. He trains with Kevin Aguilar. So a bunch of decent partners for sure. And Vickers is getting better fight by fight. So you'd love to see that in him. So again, at 3-2, and two, that record is a little bit misleading because Vickers is definitely above and beyond. On that. I mean, I guess I'll get into him right away before I get in Fajardo a little bit. But what you get in, in uh, Vickers, again, is basically an experienced veteran beyond his current record, what that indicates. I mean, he's a South Pole, which is obviously not a bad tool to have in your back pocket as well, or not a bad advantage in most cases to have over most of your opponents. Although the interesting factor here is Fajardo is also South Pole. So you got South Pole versus South Pole here. Um, but again, Vickers does like to box. So he's got decent hands. He does throw okay kicks as well. Nothing that's, that's going to kind of blow you out of the water, uh, but he does have some power to go along with it and he pushes forward. So he's, he's an aggressive fighter at times, but his activity level can also improve. I mean, there is times that I seen him get, get a little bit tentative and, and I think I want him to, you know, to kind of keep that pace a little bit higher and, and keep the, the pressure on his opponents a little bit. Um, so in this fight, I think he will look to stand at times, but his clear path to victory is probably getting Fajardo on the floor and getting him to the ground. So I think that's what he's going to look to do here. I think the game plan from his camp obviously is going to see, mix it up a little bit, try to out wrestle this guy. Vickers should have a little bit of a wrestling advantage coming into this spot as well. Um, and, and again, there's a lot to like about Vickers. Now, getting into Fajardo a little bit here, I mean, I, I really like what I see in this guy. He's 31 years old. Both these guys are about 30 years old, so I mean, they're not exactly young bucks here, but again, in MMA years, they're definitely young and they're developing fighters, and I think they got, obviously, enough left in the tank to, to definitely make a run before they get to that decline spot, they, so they got a long way to go here, and they both definitely have good things about him. So again, Fajardo, I like what I see. He's a very solid, up-and-coming fighter for sure. Um, he's got nice, very clean striking. He's accurate. He's effective. Um, his wrestling, again, is kind of a problem at times. I know he's getting better and he's working on it, but his takedown defense definitely needs to improve. Um, but he does have ground skill that kind of makes up for his lack of takedown defense at times. I mean, and even in his last fight, he was getting out-wrestled, uh, but he pulled a slick triangle to win against a very solid opponent as well. So that shows you what kind of you know capabilities this guy has on the ground. I mean, he, he things could be looking not so great for him, and he could pull a slick submission out, no doubt about it. So Vickers has to be cautious about that with Fajardo because, again, I think he is going to look to take this fight to the floor because I think on the feet – Honestly, Fajardo is the better overall striker. He's cleaner. I think these guys will exchange back and forth and have success. I think these guys definitely will both have their moments if it does play on the feet, but I think Fajardo is going to be a little bit more clean, a little bit more accurate, a little bit more precise, and I think Vickers is going to want to take this stuff to the floor as well. So I also like the fact that Fajardo is training with Uriah Faber and crew as well. So he is, again, going to continue to get better. And that South Paul versus South Paul matchup, like I was talking about, is very intriguing. So there's a lot to like about these guys. So I'm going to lean against the overall action coming in on Vickers. I understand why I think people are banking on the fact that he probably has more ways to mix this up. And Fajardo's takedown defense definitely needs to improve. But I'm banking a little bit on the fact that, again, training with Uriah Faber and crew at Alpha Male, he is wrestling a lot more 
more. We know that they have a bunch of solid wrestlers, especially in the bandweight division. So I'm expecting his improvements to come, and hopefully it does show up here because if he could keep this fight off the ground, I think he could do some good things here on the feet. Uh, but if not, like I said, in his back pocket, he does have a path to victory even on the ground. So I think there's more ways for Fajar to win this fight. I'm going to lean his way as well. So I'll go against the grain and the overall dog action that's coming in. And if this price continues to drop and it gets lower than 170, if it gets around the 150 range, then I'll justify a bet on Fajardo for sure, even though this is going to be a very good fight. So my pick is Fajardo to get it done over a very good opponent in Vickers. Dropping down to a 130-pound catchweight, we have Abril Anguiano, who is 2-0, taking on Paula Ramirez, who is 1-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? I open Anguiano, minus 210, the comeback on Ramirez at plus 165. And right now, looking over the Donbass screen, we are seeing Anguiano at minus 210, the comeback plus 175 on Ramirez. So margins have tightened up a little bit. There is two-way action coming into this fight. A lot of hesitation out there because, you know what, there's just not a lot to know about Anguiano. I mean, she's 2-0, obviously, as a pro, um, 1-0 as an Ami. Um, Ramirez on the other side of his one and two as well. So there's, again, these ladies are kind of breaking their, into their careers a little bit, and, and there's just not a lot of information out there, especially on Anguiano. But getting into her a little bit, um, despite the unknowns, what we do know from her is that she's physically strong. I mean, she's definitely has finishing power on the feet um, and also from top position on the ground as well. But she's definitely in for a test here, so that strength is going to be put into uh, use because she's going to have to utilize it because I think Ramirez is definitely the more game and more technical fighter overall. But again, Anguiano is going to be the physically stronger fighter. She has fought at 145 pounds before. This is at 135 pounds. And for the other side of it, Ramirez has fought at 125 pounds, so she's actually fought at flyweight, and this is at bantamweight, whereas you know Anguiano, again, has fought at featherweight. So the strength factor at this spot in her career should come into play here again for Anguiano. And again, she's going to be the one looking to be the bully in this fight and the aggressor. So she's 13 years younger in this spot as well. So again, Anguiano, there's a lot to like. She definitely has more upside, but I like what I see from Ramirez. I mean, she's definitely a, a really solid underrated fighter. I mean, she, as an amateur, I mean, the, I guess the one and two pro record is not very attractive, but you're looking at her amateur record. You look a little bit deeper in, into her career. I mean, she went four and one as an amateur and she's fought some decent competition thus far. So it's not really that bad of a record overall. And she's been more battle tested. I mean, um, she's got a nice KO win back in Combate Six as well, and she's a tough, gritty fighter. I mean, I believe the commentators have called that her that in the past as well, and I think it's very accurate about her. So I like what I see in Ramirez. She pushes a very high pace. She throws heavy leather um, moving forward. She has a nice one-two combo that she uses as well. Like she mixes things up. She has a strong clinch game. Um, and her last fight wasn't too long ago. I mean, it got canceled at Combate Forty Six. Um, her opponent didn't clear her medical, so she was ready to go back then. So you know she's chomping at the bet, ready to come back and, and you know fight for Kabate again as well. So there's a lot to like about Ramirez here. I think she could very well be a live dog in the spot. And in fact, I think it is with what we know about Ramirez compared to Nguan and Guino. I'm sorry. Um, I think that there's definitely a dog or pass situation here. So my pick, I'm gonna go a little bit on the limb and pick Ramirez, despite all the hype uh, surrounding her opponent. I think Ramirez is gonna probably get it done, and it is a dog or pass situation. So my pick. Is Ramirez, and I, I wouldn't blame you guys if you want to throw a little bit of uh, dog action her way as well. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in a 175-pound catchweight, we have Angelo Trevino, who is 7-3, taking on Gilbert Urbina, who is 5-1. Now, Nick, where did you open this fight, and how has the public shifted things so far? 
Awesome main event between two legit prospects. Getting into the line, I opened Trevino minus 220. The comeback on Urbina plus 170. And right now, looking at the market price, it dropped all the way to minus 140 for Trevino. Comeback plus 110 on Urbina. There's been some craziness, though, to go along with this opening price. I mean, I did open the line minus 220. It got posted that way as well. There was a line entry error made from a sportsbook offshore, and they actually opened Urbina as a favorite. So it kind of caused some crazy result as far as action coming in. Um, across the screen different ways. So Urbina got hit in some spots as an underdog. Trevino got hit um, in other spots as well. So it's just kind of been nuts as far as line movement and uh, everything, the way this thing played out. But again, it was just a line entry error. I mean, humans make mistakes. I mean, it happens all the time in all sports across the board. So no harm, no foul. The wagers did probably get canceled if you went in there and uh, took that bad price um, with Trevino being the underdog there. But that said, it obviously caused the price to get affected. And right now it's settled down quite a bit at Trevino minus 140 or so. So there is support coming in on Urbina. I mean, this is an awesome fight, like I said, between two legit prospects at welterweight. Of course, Gilbert Urbina getting into him a little bit more as far as a breakdown goes. I mean, this guy's a legit stud. He comes from the Urbina family. Of course, his brothers also fight and have had success, um, you know, part of the UFC as well. So there's a lot to like about the Urbina family. And I think Gilbert actually has the biggest upside and the biggest ceiling. He's only 23 years old. The guy definitely has a complete skill set overall. I like what I see from him on the the ground, especially, of course, especially in this matchup. I think that's where he might have the most success here as well. But that said, I mean, he does have a total skill set overall. He's got a little bit of length for this division, and he's a finisher. He can, he's capable of, of doing some good things on the feet, utilizing that length, and he mixes everything up with his kicking ability, with his clinch work. And then, of course, he has some wrestling and, and then good submission skill on the ground as well, like I mentioned. So a lot to like about Urbina in this fight, but I'm actually more impressed with Trevino. I understand that, I mean, if you're looking at him a little bit uh, deeper, you know, he is a Dana White contender series vet and he did lose a crazy fight that I think he performed really well against Paige Van Zandt's boyfriend, which is on the Bellator roster right now, Vanderfort. So he, he did have a loss to Vanderfort on the Dana White contender series show, but I mean, Vanderfort's a legit solid fighter. Let's just get that out of the way as well. So he could easily, you know, have some success on the UFC roster as well. So that, that guy is definitely a talented fighter. And I think Trevino's a talented fighter as well. And he learned a lot from that fight. But what you see from Trevino is actually he trains with again team alpha male and there's a lot of improvements to his game he's only 26 years old but his wrestling is actually getting better because he's training at alpha male but what i think is successful and it's kind of good about his game obviously as well is his striking ability i mean the guy hits like a truck on the feet he's very strong he's very accurate he's very powerful i think he's going to have the stand-up edge overall on the feet defensively it could be another issue though he is hittable and that is a concern for sure from trevino on the feet but i do like his effective striking i think he's going to be pushing forward he's going to be landing more effective strikes on the feet with Urbina. I think Trevino also has a better wrestling. I think he's got better takedown defense. So I see Trevino getting top position on the ground here as well. Uh, but again, overall, this is going to be a tough fight because Urbina is going to be game regardless of where the fight takes place. So he's going to land his shots on the feet. I think he's going to give Trevino fits on the ground as well. And Trevino has to be cautious to not get caught up and submitted. And as far as um, I think overall conditioning and cardio, the advantage lies with Urbina there as well because Trevino does seem to slow down a little bit more as the fight progresses because he throws more into his technique. So this is an intriguing fight. I understand why the people were coming in on Urbina because he's such a quality fighter. And when you're getting a guy like this, an up-and-coming fighter, you know, at plus money against another up-and-coming fighter, I, I get why the temptation is to bet the dog. But for me, I'm leaning Trevino. And as the price drops, I hope it continues to drop a little bit. I'll bet personally I'll go in there and bet Trevino myself because I think he's just a little bit above Urbina at this point. Again, I think he will be the more effective striker and he's the better wrestler. So in a three-round fight, I think he can hang on even if it gets a little bit shaky as the fight progresses and he starts to slow down a little bit. 
hopefully I think he hangs on enough to not get maybe caught up in a submission as he slows down or something like that. Cause I do think Urbina, again, his path to victory might be hopping on his back and submitting him. But that said, Trevino, I think has gotten better and he's improved enough that he probably holds on here enough to get the W. So my pick is Trevino. And I do think there's some value with Trevino at this price as well. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for Combate 48. Special thanks to BetDSI. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.